Uh, to a Kiwi take on Trump and US politics now, uh, there is opinion piece that the other Sunday uh, by Heather uh, Dupley-Allen uh, caused, I guess, a mini-stir, but encouraged some uh, discussion, and Dupley-Allen, uh, she's a broadcaster and commentator, published an opinion piece in the Herald on Sunday titled, Why, Why Trump's First Year uh, Hasn't Been That Bad, uh, where she told us that Trump is actually... Uh, winning, and I have Branko Marcetic uh, on the phone. Are you there, Branko? Uh, you there, Branko? Uh, are you there, Branko? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, uh, that was totally my fault. Um, and you've uh, written for a bunch of publications, the spin-off and um, Jacobin, uh, and so you wrote a response in the spin-off to this opinion piece. Um, first, first of all, you insightfully note that... Uh, this uh, a big part of this reflects a, a kind of click economy that we we live in. This um, you know, it's got a pretty eye-catching headline that uh, Trump's year hasn't been that that bad. Um, I can imagine that this is an issue a lot with with Trump-related news and, and and opinion, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the media nowadays uh, it's all about getting quick uh, clicks, uh, and often what you know what will give you the the, the biggest clicks is something. Uh, contrarian and outrageous and, and shocking, mm. um, which I think was uh, partly the the point of this article. Um, I also think there is a tendency in uh, local writing, uh, not just in New Zealand and in the US and a lot of other places, to sort of um, you know uh, go for this kind of faux objectivity or, or what I call faux objectivity. Yeah. Heather's Heather's article. Uh, wh- wh- what was the main argument? Trump is winning. Yeah, well, okay, so the, the, the clear, uh, the most important thing to point out is that she's not saying Trump is um, doing good things. She's uh, clearly, uh, you know, being, um, or taking a negative stance towards what, she, what he's doing. And uh, mm. so, you know, she's saying that he's done a lot of things that uh, a lot of New Zealanders would disagree with, which is the most embarrassing kind of thing. Um, however, uh, her point is that even though we like to believe that um, Trump's various mistakes and, and, and sort of extreme policies these past um, would make him very unpopular. Actually, he is headed towards the victory. He's actually extremely um, popular, and uh, we shouldn't face counter chickens. Um, the problem is, uh, in the process of creating this sort of contrarian argument, you know, this kind of argument that cuts uh, against, I guess, what um, most people would. I guess presume and what most people uh, think about Trump's administration so far. Um, she sort of, you know, for lack of a better word, twists uh, facts, leaves out um, certain key information to be able to make that case. And in doing so, also kind of parrots uh, Trump's own talking points. Hmm. Um, you know, so you've got uh, <clears throat> you've got uh, the mention in there that you know Trump's. Job numbers are great, and that the uh, the stock market is booming. Um, now, both those things are, you know, ironically, um, two two kind of frequent uh, points that Trump himself constantly makes on Twitter, mm. uh, on Twitter, and in various other public pronouncements. You know, the Dow Jones is skyrocketing. That means, uh, you know, things must be great for the American people. Uh, therefore, um, you know, uh, he, he will win again. Uh, unfortunately, you know, the stock market does not necessarily correlate to particularly good conditions for ordinary Americans. Um, it does mean uh, businesses and corporations, you know, will end up doing better. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, so far, you know, if, if you actually look at the numbers, uh, wage growth in the U.S. has stagnated, um, and and a lot of the unemployment, even though it is it is low, uh, part of that is also because people are in part time work, casual work, that kind of. Thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's sort of one example. You know, the Dow Jones is not is not actually a bellwether of really uh, the economy. It's, the mm. bellwether of just business uh, success, you know, they'll, they'll be making a lot of money. Um, so, other than that, you know, you've got, uh, in terms of the job numbers, uh, you look at the numbers, the job numbers for Trump, um, while they are high, um, they're actually lower than they were under um, Obama. Um, you know, and actually the lowest, I believe, since 2011, so just after the recession in the US. It's not really true that, you know, Trump's performance has been um, you know, amazing for the American people. Um, and, and I guess the second point, you know, the second kind of crucial point is that uh, she wildly overstates Trump's actual popularity. Um, and she kind of, she makes this point by saying, well, you may not like Trump, but uh, the fact is uh, 87% of Republicans support him. Um, true, a, a large amount of Republicans do support Trump. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Republicans do not elect uh, the president by themselves. Um, the largest uh, self-identified political group in the U.S. are independent, um, who don't necessarily like Trump that much, not nearly as much as um, as, as the Republicans do. Uh, I can't remember the exact figure, but it's less than 50%, um, certainly. Um, the other thing about that is we know from polling that's been done, Trump has steadily lost support in rural areas that he used to be um, that, well, that, that you know, were wildly for him uh, during the election. Hmm. Um, and he's lost significant support there. And, and you know, not just in, uh, I guess, areas that you would expect, but things like the economy, uh, employment and jobs, um, the environment. You know, he, um, there was a Reuters poll that was done in October, I believe. Um, and it was, you know, uh, basically, his approval on on the environment went from 10% in, in January and February to minus. So, you know, and then also an area like West Virginia, which is sort of like Trump country, um, also lost significant support there. So, it's not really accurate to say that, that Trump is, um, you know, he does have fanatical supporters that, you know, will whitewash. Yeah. Maintain a sort of um, unyielding faith in his, you know, supposedly kind of superhuman. Mm. Um, in reality, it hasn't reached and people aren't happy. Yeah, I, I, I guess on things like the economy, it's it's um, it would take a while for people to you know have a have a, a full assessment on it. And I guess that's why things like the winning and losing kind of narrative prevail because they're kind of short-term, just kind of exciting sports competition kind of things. Yeah, absolutely. And it also uh, takes away the need to discuss, um, you know, impact of policies and uh, it, it avoids the need of having to take any kind of sort of uh, moral judgment or, or really any kind of judgment about the efficacy of policies. You know, it's safe ground uh, if you're a newspaper. Um, you know, you you can avoid any charges of kind of partisanship or, um, you know, impartiality. Instead of discussing, you know, leaving the actual nuts and bolts of politics. So what, you know, 
what is it that politicians do and how does it affect most working people? If you can just sort of put, make that a, a relevant side point mm. um, and just discuss who's up, who's down this week, something that does nothing to really inform us or does very little to inform us, um, uh, then, you know, you can, you can basically avoid sort of any kind of charges of, of, of being biased. Uh, but at the same time, it's not really that useful for people who we didn't use to be informed. Yeah. Yeah. What are you um what are your thoughts on throughout this year the um the Democratic Party and how how they've taken up the mantle as as the opposition? Um I mean I personally have not been very impressed. Uh the Democrats strategy seems to be um point out how terrible Trump is and as soon as that will sort of, um you know, to some extent that could work. Uh the the the, the elections uh, late last year, um, you know, with the Democrats in Virginia, that was linked, at least in exit polls, that was linked to um, popular discontent with Trump. So that, that is part of a strategy. But the thing is, I mean, the, the strategy is only the short-term sort of let's win back, you know, Congress um, in, you know, in this year, um, and not an actual sort of real reckoning about what the problem is with the, with the party. Um, mm. They're going to be on a road to failure for some time. I mean, the Democrats are right now in the position I think they've been in you know, something like 80 ish years, um, probably more than that. I mean, the, the, the amount of uh, state houses and, and governorships that they that belong to the Republican Party right now is pretty extraordinary. Um, and part of that is the fact that the Democrats are really not, um, you know, it, we, it, one of the narratives is. You know the Trump one, the Trump, the radical kind of Trump one. Um, a narrative that often gets overlooked is the Democrats' own kind of base um, and, and classic constituency, which really abandoned them in uh, 2016. Um, there's a a really good article uh, uh, published in the New York Times. Um, I think it was maybe the month of the election, maybe a month after, and it was looking at a suburb in um, in Milwaukee, which is the, um, the capital of Wisconsin, and um, it was a, it's a mostly black suburb, and, uh, you know, the, the sort of idea was, uh, I think, part of the kind of classic Democratic uh, strategy for elections as well, you know, uh, we're always going to have, you know, um, poor people, and, and particularly uh, poor people of color, they will always vote for Democrats because no matter how uninspiring we might happen to be, um, you know, we're not as bad as the other guys. Um, which, by the way, is an actual, um, was an actual slogan that the Democrats <laughs> tried out <laughs> last year. Have, take a look. Have you seen the other guys? Um, yeah. But anyway, and, and so, uh, you know, the, the people in the, in the suburb, uh, the report I do, basically just said, you know, it, it was, I voted for Obama happily. Uh, Nothing much happened. Um, the vote from again in 2012, and then you know they, they talked about how in 2016, you know they, they both they saw both Clinton and Trump as not particularly good, and you know one of them I think wrote in Bernie Sanders, the other one just didn't somebody else didn't vote. Mm. Um, so there's a, there's a, a huge lack of enthusiasm again uh, among a uh, community that really should be uh, assuring for the Democrats to win, and and. You know, theoretically, uh, when somebody like Trump, who was you know notoriously racist um, and made race baiting a, a big part of his campaign, you would think that these uh, 
you know, communities will come out and, and full force to vote against them. But it turns out that simply voting against something that's terrible uh, is not really a huge motivator for people to get out and stand in line for the potentially hours. Yeah. Um, so Did- I, I think that's sort of the, the big issue facing Democrats. So far, they haven't really hacked. There is a sign that they are attacking left. You know, there's a couple of Demo- or, or a few Democrats who have now embraced the uh, Medicare for All, so basically universal health care. Um, so there is a sign of that, but as a, as a whole, the Democrats are still sort of... Um, I mean, they're, they're in a, well, this weird position where, you know, they rely on, um, on, on big money to win, uh, same as the Republicans, but the, the Democrats have always been, well, theoretically, have meant to be the party of the poor and downtrodden. Hmm. Um, and, and right now, there's nothing really serving uh, that constituency. So, um, yeah, I, I don't give them many points, but, you know, uh, 2020 is still some years away, so I guess we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, m- maybe maybe Trump will be the catalyst for them to have a hard look at themselves, but as I think these articles like this point out, um, th- they'll, they're, you know, it's, it's easy for them to fall into this trap of... of um, of you know just reacting to this evil guy and and that kind of thing. I guess there's the midterms as well, isn't there? This year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This year. So um, I, I think that's what they're sort of hoping for to to, to make a comeback. But again, I mean, this, this is a short term, uh, short term kind of strategy. I mean, midterms. Right. You, this is what usually happens: is that there's a shift to the other party. It, it is partly cyclical. Mm. Um, so the idea that you know. I mean, I can see that I can see them winning big in the midterms, and then uh, just a lot of offense coming out saying, "This is it. This is the fear of Trump. This is the return of the Democrats." The fact is, you know, we don't shouldn't overstate cyclical things like that. Um, you know, that does not necessarily mean that actually in the long term the, the party is in a in a good place. I mean, actually, it's not. The donations to the party have dried up. I mean, <laughs> people are not really enthusiastic about it. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. I mean, uh, I think it's also important to note that, you know, the, uh, the FBC Allen is right that, that Trump could win. Uh, and, and I was in no way trying to suggest that Trump uh, inevitably head to the loss. Hmm. Uh, Trump could definitely win, but I think his, if he does win, I mean, he's the most disliked president in, in modern history. Uh, I mean, his poll numbers are staggeringly bad. Um, but the, <laughs> just as uh, when he faced Clinton in 2016, the only thing that could lead him to lose is a spectacularly bad Democrat, or sorry, we have to win, is a spectacularly bad Democratic Party. Um, yeah. Which, you know, at, at this moment does not seem like it's serious about actually making it compatible with itself. Mm. So. All right. Um, cheers, Branko, for, for calling in and. and uh...